Good morning. What a wonderful opportunity to be with you this morning. I want to share with you uh, about prophecy and the Holy Spirit. And, and, uh, and of course, you know, uh, the definition of the Holy Spirit is individual existence of a conscious person. So the Holy Spirit is not something that is a sort of a, 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 a voice in the dark, a mysterious presence. It is a person. The third person of the Trinity. Jesus sent it to us in, in, in John 16 uh, and said, We'll convict you of sin. And so the Holy Spirit is critically important in hearing from the Lord prophetically. Those of you who uh, have been uh, under our teaching throughout uh, the United States and abroad, you know that I make a big thing about uh, how the Holy Spirit manifests Himself in areas of ministry. I've told you that Unless you understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to Paul, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, you'll be very confused because Paul expresses all the miracles of Jesus falling in three categories. Faith, work, and miracles, and gifts of healing. All revelation from the Lord, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. And all vocal gifts, which involves the prophetic According to 1 Corinthians 14, 3, 8 to 85, to build and to comfort, uh, comes, comes uh, 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 under prophecy and, 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 of course, speaking in the Spirit and, 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 of course, translating it to the church. It's also a gift. And so today, I want to sort of take a verse of Scripture that comes to me out of uh, Matthew chapter Chapter 12, uh, beginning with, uh, with verse 22. There was brought unto him one possessed with a demon, a devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him insomuch as the, that the blind and dumb both spoke and saw it. Now, this idea of He saw, he healed him in so much as the blind and the dumb both spoke and saw. Has to be revealed. They brought to him one who was possessed with the devil, blind and dumb. And the healing here simply <coughs> divided because physical healing and spiritual healing divides itself in terms of the work of the Holy Spirit. When you look at faith, working American gifts of healings, the definition of the three gifts of healing uh, is as follows. Faith is beyond and above. Working of a miracle is, uh, the word work is energia, meaning moving from A to B. It's a movement. Going to the altar It's a movement. Uh, uh, as you see in Asbury, kids are coming to the altar. That is a movement of the Holy Spirit. You don't stay back. You move toward the altar. Or you go to a doctor. That, that's a, that's a, a working of a miracle. Now, gifts of healing simply means the only word that says gifts because it's general. It comes in during the environment. Communion, worship. When you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit worshiping and people are standing, loving, and praising God, then 
the possibility that the working, that the gifts of healing operate, it will be, it will be powerful. For instance, the man that came to Jesus, there were four of them, and they couldn't get into Jesus because it was crowded, small little, little city, uh, uh, straight streets in Capernaum. And of course, they put a, a broke the roof and, 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 and brought the man down that was paralytic. Jesus said to him, You are healed. Your sins are forgiven. Meaning that the environment, the people there, the talking, the hunger, the exercise of moving, making a hole in the roof and blowing the body down of this paralyzed man. That was an unbelievable expression of hunger and glory. And of course, Jesus heals in that environment. Now, and it says on verse 25 that Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Is that Satan does not oppose himself. He does not possess one with an evil spirit and then cast out that spirit. He does not in no shape or form opposes himself. He actually divides himself into little parts. And you have to begin with the weakest part going to the strongest part. So, if Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And of course, they were accusing Jesus in this scripture that he had a demon. And of course, that is the topic of our conversation today. See, the work of the Holy Spirit, it's a holy thing. When you accept parts of the work of the Holy Spirit and refuse parts of the Holy Spirit, it reveals that you're not ready for leadership or you shouldn't be in leadership whatsoever. I don't understand. You see, so Jesus continues in, in this vein. And He says, Wherever I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be given unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be given, forgiven unto men, shall not be forgiven unto men. And so, how do you know who is a leader? How do you know who you should hire? How do you know who is actually the type of person that you can trust? Simply present to them the work of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be surprised. The most godly, sweet, kind, gentle people that loves the Lord with all their hearts. They've been in church for years and they love the kingdom of God. They love Jesus and what He did at the cross. But He had a problem with the Holy Spirit. That is a wolf in sheep's, with sheep's clothing on it. Because as, as the cookie crumbles, as the pressure rises... As the moment comes, they will not bat for you. They will not speak for the kingdom. They begin to hold in themselves uh, 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 to no avail, hiding under something and getting away from the, from the conflict. And so, Jesus says, Whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, 
it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, nor in the world to come. And so, that is when you begin to realize that there's something about this person that doesn't, doesn't quite match your call. They're good, they look good, they feel good, they smell good, they talk good, they are kind, they're gentle, they're tender. But when it comes to tongues, they pack their bags and leave. When it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they pack their bags and leave. When it comes to the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, faith, working of miracles, gifts of healing, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation, which are the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to the Apostle Paul, they pack and leave. And so you need to be very careful with that because these are days in which Satan is penetrating churches where the revival is about to happen. One person that resists the Holy Spirit quenches the presence of God. One, one, one. And so in order for us to be victorious in the battle against the kingdom of darkness, we need to have discernment as to who we are giving the authority to represent you. If you give authority for someone to represent you, and they are people who blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, you, you, you are doing a horrible thing to yourself and to your church and to the kingdom of God. Get that person out of the way. Don't, I don't care if they give a million dollars. Get that person out of the way. Get them out completely. Don't be shy. Don't be bashful. Don't try to please men. Kick them out. Why? Because their choice... In their future, it's already predetermined by the Lord, and God will judge accordingly. Now, when you please God, now you probably say, Rick, how have you survived for the last 55 years in personal ministry without annuity? I don't know if you know what the word annuity means. It means salary. I have survived because I have pleased God, and I haven't pleased man. And that is one of the greatest exercises of faith a person can have. When you please God, and you don't please men. And so, and so neither, now it says this, okay. But whosoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him. Neither in this world, neither in the world to come. So it's not something that so you can get rid of it for the future and plead God and and ask you to forgive you. It's something that you ain't get no respect from the Lord now or ever. And that is a very, very, very serious thing. And I'm referring now to leaders. I'm referring to those who want to be bishops. I'm referring to those that are in charge of situations that you'll be under. You'll be responding to them. They are going to lead you as to what the will of God is. And I encourage you to make a decision to say no. Uh, let, me, let me explain to you what happened to me many, many years ago. I was at a conference in, a, in Nashville, Tennessee, of the United Methodist Church. And the speaker began to say that there is something about other gods that we must understand. They represent the hearts and the will of a lot of people. For instance, the Ra of Egypt... She represents the will and the heart of a lot of people. And so we must have respect to them. 
Now, I don't know what got to me, but I, but I got up in the midst of all these 300, 400 pastors. I was sitting in the back and I said, that is the definition of witchcraft. You're telling me that I have to please a piece of concrete from Egypt in order to somehow get along with people. You out of your mind. That's witchcraft. This man needs to be removed. Of course, they didn't remove him. They, they, they removed me. <laughs> and, and I was asked to leave the building by security. I'll never forget that. With me was a man called Earl Tyson. And if he was alive, he would verify. Now, I don't know why I did it, but I did it. Now, that type of thing, that type of expression, that type of faith keeps you preaching until you're 99. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, you say, Rick, but uh, did you say, uh, shouldn't you talk to him after the meeting is over? No, that wouldn't be a good testimony. That would be a testimony for all the jerks that were there that were paying $300 in order to hear that type of thing. Now, what is the result of all of this? What is the result of, of this type of thing? Now, I want to tell you about this person. Such a person is doomed. However, the statements do not mean that a backslider cannot come back to the Lord. He can be redeemed. He can come back to Jesus if he confesses him as Lord and the Holy Spirit as holy. But they do mean that one who has actually bashed the Holy Spirit will have to desire to come to the Lord. In fact, will continue to oppose Him. Anyone who desires to come to the Lord, which is desire, which desire is placed there by the Holy Spirit, can do so. That's Revelation 22:17. Let me let me go to that. 22:17 says this. It says this. In the Spirit. And the bride say, Come. Let him who hears say, Come. Let him who thirsts come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. So God is open, opening his heart for repentance and for healing. Come. Now, what is the result of those that blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Let me read to you. Because you see, prophetically, you, you stop hearing. When you stop hearing prophetically, you begin telling jokes in the pulpit until the people are soft enough to just love you and hold your hand and pay your salary. It's very, very easy to please people these days. Just have a good joke and you'll get along and get your retirement. But the fruits actually are not real fruits. They're manipulated by you when you push away the Holy Spirit. That's no conviction. Listen to verse 33, chapter 12 of Matthew. Either make the tree good, and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt, and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruits. A single tree cannot bear good, both evil and good. Either the Pharisees were right, or he was right. One of the two. Both could not be right. His fruit was good, inasmuch as it produced changed lives. Their fruit produced nothing but corruption. And as you look to those priests, you could see that they were there to get their money, to get their favor, and to get their respect, and to feel their pride. Ah, oh, generation of vipers. That's, that's Jesus. He talked them, called the priests as snakes. Now, that's strong language. Speak good things. 
For out of the abundance of heart, the mouth speaketh. Speak good things. He even gave them a little opportunity to have a prophetic life. Speak good things. Say something positive. Stop pushing the Holy Spirit away from your church or Sunday school room. And uh, I tell you, I remember 1970s. I mean, uh, I, I was messing with the Holy Spirit. I was just wanting the Lord to bless me. I want to fall. I, I, I used to go home and, and, uh, and, and go to the basement and get a water bed down there filled with water. And I began falling on it. I began to pray and just practicing. And one day the Lord would just slap me. <laughs> I just loved the Holy Spirit. I didn't speak in tongues, so I began to... Until my baptism came. So my heart was eager because I wanted to have good fruits according to Scripture. And so Jesus is saying to them, Oh, generation of vipers, can you be evil, speak good things? For the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of his good treasure of the heart, brings forth good things. The prophetic out of you will speak good in the lives of people. The prophetic in you will uh, uh, attract people to Jesus so you can talk to them. Uh, An evil man, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil things. An evil heart cannot do otherwise. And it's kind of interesting, because as you see people like that, the peace returns to me. I give the peace and see if there's something there, and it doesn't. Isn't that a wonderful beach area right here? Look look, look at the water down there, and oh my gosh, look at the tub, warm water here, and uh, this is a beautiful hotel. I have a room overlooking down there. And, uh, and I'm just having prayer. and Oh, isn't that beautiful? Thank God. I want my heart to have, uh, uh, I want my heart to say good things. Amen. But I say unto you, that's Jesus again, that every idle word that man shall speak, they have give account thereof in the judgment day. Every word, every idle word that you speak, you're going to respond for it. I already have enough sins in that area to having idle words. But I don't want to have a sin against the Holy Spirit, I tell you. I don't want the Lord to say, Rick Bonfim, you have sinned against the Holy Spirit. Oh, no, 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 I don't want that. Because without the Holy Spirit, friends, I would not be able to be convicted and my sin would have domain over me. But through conviction of the Holy Spirit, my sins are forgiven as I profess my faith in the blood of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let's take a look at uh, this verse. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak. I'm talking about concern, claims of righteousness which did not exist. That's what it is. Idle words. Claim of righteousness that's not in your heart. There's no righteousness in you. You don't practice it. You sort of a fake it. You don't take communion with the heart. You just go by the motion of doing that type of thing. And the Lord is saying, you're not going to escape. For by your word, you shall be justified. By your words. A confession that Christ, in the price that He paid on the cross, justifies any person. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom we have gained access into this faith and grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Romans, Romans 5, 1 and 2. And by your words you shall be condemned. Let me read verse 17 again. By your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. Where the prophetic comes in, the prophetic being a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, keeps your mouth out of trouble. I met a man that every fourth word he said was a cuss word. A beloved Christian. I love him to death. But he is cussing here and cussing there continuously. So one day I, I got the Bible to open in Luke, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 12, uh, verse 38, 37. And I read this scripture to him. For, for by your words you shall be justified. What do you mean? What do you mean? It means that as you speak good things out of you, as you prophesy out of your heart to edify and to build and to comfort and encourage others, God will justify you and give you eternal life. But by your words also you shall be condemned. A confession of anything other than Jesus in the cross will condemn eternally lost. It's not just this life. But forever you're lost, forever, as long as you live, as long as you die and resurrected again on the final day, you'll be lost forever. Think about that. Think about it because, you see, you are justified by that which is good in your heart. And you're condemned by that what you say also. So really the tongue is it's a, it's a, it's a instrument, of a two-edged sword. It cuts to the left and it cuts to the right. And it causes you to pay attention to what the Lord is doing in your life. If you have a mouth that runneth over, you've got to pay attention to that. It's one of the things the Lord is working in me. I don't want to get involved in conversation that doesn't edify, doesn't build, does not strengthen, does not help other people. And so, now, I want to uh, go to verse 38 just a little bit. Because verse 38 now personalizes the, the prophetic gift of the Holy Spirit, and also personalizes a person, a man, and what he did. Okay? All right, here, here we go. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered. So Jesus spoke all that I just said to you. Answered, saying, Master, Teacher, we would see a sign from you. In other words, let's see what you do. Show up a little bit. There were signs of the Lord. For instance, they just had seen the men blind, dumb, and demon-possessed, instantly delivered and healed. The sign, however, which they actually wanted was not deliverance from sin and its effect, but rather from Rome. They were politically oriented. Now, you see the mind that is corroded. You're talking to the Son of God. And even though they saw miracles and wonders... They simply want to be political. What's going to happen to Rome? And Jesus answered and said to him, to them, several of them, listen to this, and he answered and said unto them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. Now a sign here in terms of a generation is 70. The generation of man is 70. The, the generation of a people, it's 100 years. And so you're talking about 
70 times 70 times 70, or 100 times 100 times 100. So adulterous generation here is Israel's spiritual unfaithfulness to God. They were committing spiritual adultery, which means that they were worshiping something other than God. If you went into the temple in the year 70, the Roman army destroyed it. I'm talking about the, uh, the second temple. It was destroyed because it had no value anymore, had no idea anymore. Just as, just as uh, denominations today are sold out to liberalism because there's no conviction of sin. There's no conviction of judgment. There's no conviction of righteousness, uh, of, for the ruler is already dead. I mean, there's no power against Satan. So might as well invite him in. Now, and so he says, There shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now, the, prop, the sign of the prophet Jonah uh, is what really Jesus is trying to tell those scribes and Pharisees. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. That confirms the book of Jonah. That confirms the whale. That confirms he being swallowed by it. That confirms the life of that very unbelieving prophet, minor prophet. The man of Nidiv shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn. Jesus proclaims here that the Gentiles of Nineveh are far more righteous than the Pharisees. For they repented. Notice, remember, the, Phar- the, people, uh, the people in Nineveh, uh, 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 the, the, the king called a fast, animal fast. They repented. They dressed in ash cloth and, 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 by, and began asking for forgiveness and for repentance. They repented, while the Pharisees did not repent. This infuriated these religious leaders. They were mad because Jesus is telling something that actually happened historically. Nineveh, when Jonah was obedient, was, was let down of their sins, and God and they prospered, and God blessed them much in spite of Jonah's back-and-forth faith. I want to pray with you before I go today. I know that you, you, you're saying, Get Rick, I need to stop speaking negative about my family, about my children, about my church, about my loved ones. You've got to begin to pray, folks. Jesus is coming back. Reviving South America is on fire. What's happening in the States is on fire. Mount Bethel Church in Atlanta, Georgia is on great revival. One of the greatest revivals ever hit the South. It's in that church. People are coming from everywhere. There's no seats available. I want to pray that you be able to repent. Say with me, Heavenly Father, I repent of my sins. I repent that I have uh, uh, quenched the Spirit of God by my theological exercises. I ask you, Lord, to have mercy upon my life. I ask you, Lord, to remove from me the word blasphemous, that which comes out of my, my heart that defies, belittle, entangle, reject, and assail the Holy Spirit of God. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me for the voices 
that I have accused and, and, and I command in the name of Jesus this spirit of blasphemous spirit to lose my body, to lose my mind, to lose my intellect, to lose my rationalization, to lose my faith, to lose my, my voice, to lose my heart in the name of Jesus Christ of God. God, I ask you to deliver me from that heart full of anger and bitterness, resentment, acridity, acidity, wormwood, gall, and poison. And cleanse me completely so I can worship you and praise you and give you glory, God. And not be worried about what people think. I'll lift my hands. Lamentations 2.19 says, Arise, cry out in the middle of the night at the beginning of every watch. Pour out your heart like water before the face of the Lord. For the life of your children hunger at the head of every street. And this is really true what happened. What Jeremiah is lamenting here is that the people of God in those days before the Babylonian invasion occurred, the children were dying of hunger. There was no food available. You see, the, the army of the Babylonians surrounded the city and stopped all and burned the crops, killed the farmers. And all they did was to somehow bring the unbelieving to judgment. Let me ask you this. Is it going to have to be God bringing you to judgment and squeezing your neck and put your thumb upon you? If you're there now today, if you're still there today under this oppression, confess Jesus. Say, Father, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to remove my sin from me, God. I ask you, Lord, that you have mercy upon my life. And I ask in the name of Jesus that you cause me to be a blessing to the nations all the days of my life. For out of my mouth will come forth goodness and kindness and gentleness unto others. For out of my mouth will come the praise of the Lord and the glory. Out of my mouth will come the name of Jesus. Out of my mouth will come the glory of God. They will bless the kingdom of God and bless the people of God. That I will speak the word of God as long as I live and I will not please men. So help me God in Jesus' name. Amen. Lavando no escuro, correndo e 